If you have your Bibles today, and I hope you do, turn to the 10th chapter of the book of Hebrews. Hebrews, the 10th chapter. We're just going to read a couple of verses. We're going to begin in verse 24. Hebrews 10, verse 24. Amen. Amen. Hebrews 10, verse 24, and it says, And let us consider one another to provoke. That word provoke means stir up unto love and to good works not forsaking the assembling of ourselves together as the manner of some is, but exhorting one another and so much the more as ye see the day approaching. We will be looking at some other Scriptures, so keep your Bibles open right there for a few minutes. Now, I want to lift as a thought to you this evening, excuse me, but your butt's in the way. Excuse me, but your butt's in the way. Now, we all have them. And the thing about it is they're usually pretty big. But some are bigger than others. And some are so big that other people try to hide behind them. Some of us use them more than we do others. However, they always end up getting in the way. Now what am I talking about when I say, excuse me, your butt is in the way, for example, but I can't. But I'm over 50. But I don't have any money. But I don't have an education. But I'm in the wrong job. But I'm in bad health. But I've been through so much, but I'm not very popular, but I don't have very much to offer the church. But, 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 my, what big buts we have. Notice how they all start. But I. Every one of us has buts. Every one of us has been guilty of saying, but I, and here comes the excuse. Let me share something with you. Everybody we know has buts. And more often than not, it's the one thing that keeps us from living a consistent life for Jesus. Let me expound just a little bit. See if you recognize any of these buts. But I have to work more. But my kids have practice. But it's such a beautiful day. But I'm just not in the mood. But I deserve a break today. You see, every kind of but, no matter what it is, every kind of but interferes with our living an authentic life for God. And more not often than not, it is always something to do with some sort of but. There's always an excuse. The truth is, even small buts can get in the way. You know, smallest, the littlest buts can to distract us 
from living the kind of life we know that we should be living, doing the things we know we, we should be doing. For instance, I'm not going to pray today. Or maybe a little but would be, I'm not going to think about it today. I just don't want to deal with it. Or I'm not going to deny myself. Or I'm not going to read the Bible. The list goes on and on and on and on and on. Whatever it is that God asks us to do, it seems like we always have a but for it. But the biggest but of all times is the but that gets in the way of us just hanging out with God and reading His Word. Now I want you to think about this. It's true. All You think about all the times that you opened your Bible and you started to study your Bible and all of a sudden a great big giant but got in the way. But I'm tired. But I gotta see what's going on on Facebook. Somebody might be posting something and I'm missing it. Well, I, I read last night. But the Dallas Cowboys are on. Well, I, I don't like Leviticus. Or I don't like to read. Or I don't understand. Or it's hot in here. Or it's boring. Or it's what does it have to do with me in the 21st century anyway? You see, the origin of every excuse is the failure to do something. It was Deion Sanders. Y'all remember Deion Primetime Sanders? He was coach at Jackson State University. Football coach there. He's a former outfielder of the Atlanta Braves, former cornerback of the Atlanta Braves, who grew up on the mean streets of Fort Myers, Florida. And he was exposed to a whole bunch of guys that wanted to be athletes. And it caused him to push himself to be as successful as he was. But this is what he had to say about it. He, he says, I call them Idas. If I'd have done this, I would be making $3 million today. If, I, if I'd have practiced a little harder, I'd be a superstar. You see... These kids that he was talking about, that he was growing up with, were every bit as talented as he was. Some of them faster than he was. And if you remember anything about Deion Sanders, he was quick. I mean, he had a set of wheels under him. But instead of working for their dreams, they chose drugs and, and a life of standing on the street corners. And that's all that they amounted to. You see, when he was young, he went to practice and his friends who didn't go to practice got their drugs and hit it to the street corner and they never left. He wrapped it up saying this, we don't need any more itis. I stopped by to tell you this evening, excuse me, your butt is in the way. There was a churchgoer who wrote a letter to the editor. And this is what he put in his letter to the editor. 
He says, I've been going to church now for 30 years. And I've heard somewhere near 3,000 sermons in that 30 years. But for the life of me, I cannot remember one of them. Well, this started a huge controversy in, in, in the letters to the editor column, which of course was delighted, you know, that, that delighted the editor because he was getting stuff for his paper. And it went on for weeks until someone wrote this response. And this is what he had to say. He said, I've been married now for 30 years. And in that 30 years, my wife has cooked somewhere around... 32,000 meals for me. But for the life of me, I cannot recall the entire menu of one of those meals. But I know this. They all nourished me and gave me the strength I needed to do my work. Likewise, if I had not gone to church for nourishment, I would be spiritually dead today. You see, you don't eat, you die physically. You don't go to church, you're not spiritually nourished. So oftentimes, we simply look for excuses not to attend church throughout the week or whenever it is. We think we're too busy. We think we're too busy with our families. We think we're too busy with our friends with work, with sports, with volunteering, with cooking, with cleaning, with vacation, with sleeping. It seems like we're just busy. We are too busy to be bothered by God. We're too busy to be faithful to His church. We're too busy to bother with the ministry of the church. Let me ask you a question this evening. What if God was too busy for you? Now I want you to think about that. What if God was too busy for you? What if one day He just woke up and He said, you know, I'm tired of all of this and and I want to do something else. And He just left us alone. I want you to think about where you would be. What if you found yourself in a desperate situation and you needed to call out on the name of the Lord, you needed to rely on Him for His help, for His comfort to rest upon, and what if He was too busy to hear you? You see, we can't do God on our own terms, folks, and expect to come out on top. It doesn't work that way. In other words, what I'm saying is we need to stop making excuses. We perpetuate the lie by saying, well, we're only human. We can only do so much. What does that mean anyway? We're only human. Have you ever thought about that? You know, we, we use that term as our trump card. We use that term as our way out. We use it for our catch-all. We believe since we're just these fleshy creatures, we are expected to, to fail. That, that it is okay to be less than we should be. We believe it's okay when we fail because He understands we're only human. You see, we set ourselves up to fail even before we try. 
You remember Moses? Do you remember, you know, Moses did this very same thing when God spoke to him from the burning bush. You remember it's in Exodus 3.10. God said to Moses, so now go, I am sending you to Pharaoh to bring my people, the Israelites, out of Egypt. And what did Moses do? He had a lot of buts. What did he say? But who am I that I should go? But what if they don't believe me? But what if they don't listen to me? You see, Moses did not want to leave his comfort zone. He was content with where he was. And he wasn't looking for a challenge. Moses, just like most of us, like to have things the way we want them. No stress, no change, no effort. People in general enjoy comfortability. But God didn't call us to be people of comfort. He called us to be people of action. And our mouths might agree. You know, we might be real quick to say and agree with what I'm talking about, but we quickly get cozy in our comfort zone. Too too, uh, comfortable, too afraid to reach outside and do something that might be a little uncomfortable or to be a little bit out of the norm. Let me show you something. Look in 1 Corinthians 3.9. And when you get to 1 Corinthians, keep your finger there because I've got another Scripture to look at there in, uh, in a minute. But God wants us to serve alongside of Him. 1 Corinthians 3.9. First Corinthians 3 9, what does it say? For we are laborers together with God. You see, God doesn't want our excuses, He wants our hearts. And I'm sure He gets frustrated at us from time to time. We read where God becomes, getting back to Moses for a minute, we read where God becomes angry with Moses. And He finally chastises Moses and He reminds him that God can do anything. All Moses has to do is trust God through the process. Can you imagine for just a minute how things would have turned out if Moses had not heard God's call and never went to Pharaoh because he had some buts? You know, many of us ignore God as well. And we tell Him, we're not good enough. Or we're not smart enough. Or we never could do that. Or we just can't. But what does the Bible tell us in 4 Philippians 4.13, if you don't have it highlighted, you need to. Philippians 4.13 says, I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. You're saying that you got it highlighted, I bet. You should. You should have that one on your refrigerator door. You should have that one hanging on the bathroom mirror where you see it all the time. Now, let's deal with that for a moment. Can Christ really do all things? I should have said, can Christians do all things? Can we really do all things as Christians? We can when we realize that our strengths and our abilities are rooted not in ourselves, but they're rooted in God. 
So when we say we can do all things, what we're really saying is there is absolutely no limit to what God can accomplish through us when we trust in His power, when we trust in His grace. Let me, I, I come up with a brilliant idea. Didn't hurt much. But I did. I come up with a brilliant idea. Every one of us probably knows somebody who's got a reason why, an excuse why they don't go to church. So I come up with a plan. Here's my plan. See what you think about it. For, for those that say Sunday is their only day to sleep in, we'll bring cots up here and put them wherever we got a little open space. For those that think our, our pews are too uncomfortable, we'll take some of them out and we'll put lawn chairs or lounge chairs in. Maybe some recliners. You know, there'll be a special section for that. We'll have eye drops for those who stayed up too late Saturday night watching TV. Quit it, you're going to make me laugh. Let's got bloodshot eyes. You know, we'll, we'll get steel helmets for those that say, well, the building might collapse on me if I go into church. So we'll get blankets for those that think church is too cold and we'll get fans for those that think church is too hot. We'll get hearing aids for those that say they can't hear the preacher. We'll get cotton for those that says the preacher's too loud. <coughs> we'll get buttons that says stamp out stewardship because all the church does is want my money. We'll get scorecards for those that want to list all the, the, the hypocrites that are in church. We'll get doctors and nurses here so that those that are going to be sick on Sunday we can be taken care of. We'll get relatives and kinfolks to come with them for those that can't go to church and cook for the kinfolks at the same time. What do y'all think of my plan so far? Amen? So what I'm saying is, I come up with this plan, so now there's no excuse Sunday. Whatever excuse somebody comes up with, we've got put in place what we need. And there's one more. There's some of those that say, well, I'll go to church when hell freezes over. Well, it happened this past February in Hale, Michigan, population less than 400 there's a little river that runs through town that stand up and it stayed cold long enough that hell froze over. So we've got the cure for whoever don't want to come to church. We can make excuses. But then what we like to do, and I think the biggest excuse for us today is we like to point our finger and blame somebody. You, you recall the first sin that happened in the Garden of Eden? Y'all ain't shaking your head yes. There's a sermon coming if you don't shake your head yes. We can go back and revisit but God found Adam and Eve hiding because they ate of the forbidden fruit. 
And you remember God called out to, to Adam and He said, Adam, where are you? And, and Adam answered, well, I heard you in the garden and I was afraid because I was naked so I hid. And you remember what God said to him? He said, how did you know that you were naked? Did you eat of the fruit that I commanded you not to eat from? And then he said, well... That woman that you put with me, she gave me some fruit from that tree and I ate it. So first, what does Adam do? He tries to blame God. You know, I didn't ask for her, God. I went to lay down and take a nap when I woke up beside my old ribs kind of hurt a little bit and I looked up and there she was. It's all your fault. Well, that didn't go very far. So next, he tries to blame Eve. Eve, that woman you gave me, she's the one that caused all this. She gave me that fruit to eat, and I did. You see, blame is the oldest game that we can play. It's been going on since way back yonder. Not much has really changed through the years, has it? We still want to blame others for our mistakes, for our shortcomings. For sin. We all have excuses as to why we don't do this or that. And we all have excuses for not doing this or that. And you know the really funny thing about it is, even though we have a lot of buts, and we blame a lot of people, God knows the truth. God knows the truth. Adam tried to pull the wool over God's eyes. That's what he was trying to do. He wanted to place all the blame on Eve for why he was disobedient to God. It wasn't Adam's fault for him doing something against God. It it was Eve. And then what did Eve do? She didn't want the blame either, so she said, no, God, it's the serpent's fault. Not mine. He, he tempted me. You know, it seems like whenever we fall short of living the life that God desires for us, we have a but as to why we're not. And placing the but on other people or placing the but on Satan is simply wrong. Now don't misunderstand what I'm saying. Don't misunderstand what I'm saying here. I, I, I'm not standing up for, for Satan, however. I'm standing on the Word of God on this. And I'm taking any power away from Satan that we may be placing on him by saying he's the reason that we do something. He is in control. You see, we give Satan power that he actually does not have. Did you keep your finger in 1 Corinthians 10? Flip to 1 Corinthians 10 verse 13. First Corinthians 10 verse 13 says, There hath no temptation taken you but such as is common to man. But God is faithful who will not suffer you to be tempted above all that ye are able, but will, will with the temptation also make a way to escape that ye may be able to bear it. 
You see, Satan cannot stand us. He sees us as big targets and he wants nothing more to get us in his hold and take us away from God. But he doesn't have the power to do that. God's Word tells us that He will provide a way to stand up under temptation and not fail. If we are tempted to do wrong and we act on it, it's not the devil who made it do it. It is us. I'm old enough, I can remember Flip Wilson on TV and he'd dress up like that woman. And the devil made me do it. And that's what we try to do. We try to use that as an excuse. But I'm fixing to shoot holes in that because the Bible tells us in James 1.14, but every man is tempted when he is drawn away of his own lust and enticed. It's because of us that we give in. It's because of us that we skip church, that we stop reading the Bible, that we stop praying. It is because of us that we don't serve, that we don't get involved, that we don't commit to the church. Let me tell you this, and I'm going to wrap this up. When we use buts, we are telling God a few things. We are telling Him He is wrong and we are telling Him no. We are telling Him that we do not have faith in Him. We are telling Him we do not believe. We are telling Him we are too weak, just not that strong. Excuse me, but your butt is in the way. I want you to know something. God never calls us to do something that we can't do. He expects us to be obedient to Him and not have any buts about it. God gets the glory. People get benefited. And we get blessed when we don't have and use buts against God. That's why we do it. That's the why behind the but. And ultimately, that's the whole point I'm trying to make to y'all today. If your butt is bigger than your why, excuse me, your butt is in the way. When man says no, God says yes. When the wages of sin is death, the gift of God is eternal life. When the world says no, God says yes. When the world says can't, God says can. When the world says won't, God says will. When the world says don't, God says do. When the world says stop, God says go. The world says defeat, but God says victory. Let me ask you something. Where are you today? Are you living with your butt in the way? Or are you living defeated? Then excuse me. Your butt's in the way. Let's pray. 
Father God, we just thank You for Your love, Your mercy, Your grace. We thank You for the opportunity to be in Your house today, Father. We thank You for these folks that are here. I ask Your blessing upon them, Father. I ask that You continue to protect us in this very challenging time, Father. And I ask that You forgive us where we fail You. Father, we just thank You for the rain that You've blessed us with. We pray that You continue to bless us that way, Father. We again pray for the folks that are not with us today for whatever reason. We just ask that they're safe, they're sound, everything's okay, and and You'll bring them back to us in a short time. Father, all the folks on our prayer list, we want to pray for them. We pray that the need that they have is met, Father. And we just ask that You move in their lives in a special way. Father, just go with us, forgive us, and just help us carry on. In Your Son's name we pray. Amen.